Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Give a praise, church.
today. We're going to turn to the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, chapter 1. And today we'll be in chapter 1 and chapter 3. I want to talk today about hope for humanity. We're going to look at the life of Adam and Eve. And uh, We had been in the New Testament for several months. Uh, we're kind of going to swing back into the Old. and Here we are right at the very beginning. We've uh, preached out of these texts uh, several times before. But this message I want to get from there today and for the next several weeks have to do with God's sovereignty and His plan for humanity overall. You know, when we look at the Bible and we, we see some, these collection of characters and stories that are contained in the Bible, really we need to kind of see beyond that. It's sort of like looking at a tree. You can see the leaves, amen, on the outward, but underneath the leaves are branches. Supporting the branches is a trunk. And underneath the soil are what? Roots that hold. And all of that work to support the life of the tree. When we look at the scriptures, we, we're going to get a picture. And that's what I want to try to convey. Certainly can't do that in, in one message. But we want to overall, over several messages, convey that God has a plan for humanity. Amen? Amen. And we're going to examine the root today of human failure so that we can appreciate God's provision of hope. We're going to talk about hope for humanity today. You know, the story that we're going to look at today is a story, it's really a, it's a story of the fall. It's a story of conflict. God created Adam and Eve in His image and He blessed them. He intended them to commune with Him faithfully in a loving relationship. That's why we were created. And we're going to look at our forefathers here, those who were the progenitors of the human race. We all today, all humans on earth today, stem back to these two. They are the, Eve is called the mother of all living. Amen. We all go back to that. They are the prototype. Adam and Eve, though, made a choice in that garden that immediately set them in opposition to God. They sinned. And Really, the Bible is a story of God working with the human race that He created to bring them back into a relationship with Himself. God is a God of holiness and justice. Sin demands justice by a holy God. But we see God doing the miraculous time and again and, and actually setting up and setting in motion that we'll see over the next several weeks. A plan of redemption and giving humanity hope. Amen. This conflict that Adam and Eve started has a wonderful resolution. And that's really what I want to focus on. Adam and Eve were confronted by God after they sinned, but God gave them a message of deliverance and hope. And you and I also are offered the hope of restoration in this fallen world that we live in. God provides us with a way of escape from our sin into everlasting life. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here today with your people. It is a privilege, Lord, a responsibility, and I don't take that lightly. Father, I recognize my own shortcomings and my own inabilities. Lord, use me as your vessel today to communicate your word to your people. Speak to our hearts and lives. Bring light where there is darkness. Encourage your people, Lord. 
inform us, Lord. Speak to us, God, we pray. In Jesus' name. Everyone say it. Amen. Amen. We'll look at three things. In Genesis 1, 26-28, we're going to see God's ideal for man. Number one, that man was made in God's image and that he was made with a purpose. And the purpose of man was to rule over God's creation, the world. Uh, Genesis 1, 26. God's Scripture says this, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them... Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God created he them. Male and female created he them. God blessed them, said to them, Be fruitful and multiply in number. Fill the earth or replenish the earth, notice the King James, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the ground. So God made this creation called man. Of course, the Hebrew word for man is Adam, where we get his name, Adam. Adam was made by God, the Scripture tells us, and I encourage you to read the whole, the whole chapter. We're just looking at a few verses. From the very dust of the ground, the elements of the earth, you know, we're made really from clay, physically. When we die, we go back to the clay. Now, what is in the clay? You know, there's iron and magnesium, potassium, silicon. There's all type of minerals and things. And think about how God could take that and make a complex being like a human being. And He breathed into man His very breath. Man became a living soul. Really, we were a part of God when He breathed of Himself into us, man became a living. He, he took spirit from himself and created a man to be like himself. Now, you are not God, you understand, but we're made in his image. We are an imager of God. Uh, just as you would look in the mirror and see a, an image of yourself, you know, when God made man, we, we, we resemble him. Teresa brought her daughter, one, I might have brought more than one, but and she looks like her mom. She's an image of. She's not her mom, but she's an image, amen? And contains all the same material, hallelujah. And God made that. He made man, but He he placed him in a garden called Eden. And uh, that that kind of... uh, We don't have a lot of information in the Scripture. And we could easily, you know, go into conjecture and, and theory and hypothesize. We don't want to do that because we just don't have fact. But we do have enough information in different scriptures to let us know that that Eden was a place where God would meet with man. In that same place, there were other beings who were not man who would meet in there also. Uh, The Nakash was one, and he'll come into the story at my second point. But it was a place that the spiritual and the natural would come together. That which was on earth and that which is in heaven. God would come down and walk with man in the cool of the day. Eden was literally a paradise. There was no uh, wildness there. It was, quote, tame, if you would. It was a garden that was kept to be kept and dressed by Adam. When we look at the Scripture, and he says that man was made to take dominion over the earth, to literally subdue it, 
what, what I want us to see, there's a picture of the, the world outside of Eden, which we would call the earth that we live in today. You and I can't go back to Eden. How I many know that? You know, the scripture would go on to say after man's city was put out of Eden, and the, the entrance was guarded by cherubim who had a flaming sword that turned in every direction. You can't get back. You know, I mean, remember back in the 60s and early 70s, they had the Woodstock generation, you know, uh, uh, Joni Mitchell song that was made very popular by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, uh, by the time I get to Woodstock, we're a half a million strong. You know, we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. That's human effort. Amen. Somebody remember that song? Remember that? That was a rocking song, wasn't it? It was. Young people look at me like, man, he's an old dude, right? I never even heard of that. It was Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Young used to run with him too. Neil Young, you remember? But that's what man has been trying to do ever since. Try to get back to that state, that garden. But you can't get there without Christ. You can't get back to paradise without God. No matter how man would try. But that's a, kind of a spiritual interface between heaven and earth. That's where God chose. It's also called the mouth of God, where God would meet with His divine counsel. You'll find that in the Psalms and in the Old Testament. But here in Eden, they were given a mandate to, to rule the earth. I made you. to Now, what, what, what was the earth like? What was it like? You had to rule it. You had to subdue it. You had to. It was a wild place. Wow. Had all kind of animals. Remember, God created birds of the sky, fishes of the sea, creeping things that crept there. I mean, it was a wild place. And it needed someone to subdue it and to take over and, and to care for it. Uh, it, it was a. God made a man to do that. Now, think about it. In that, in those, that charge to these two, that charge he gave was not for necessarily, I, I think you, you catch it, it wasn't necessarily for them to do that personally. Well, they were in a garden. He was supposed to dress and keep that, wasn't he? But it would be their offspring that they would have that would fulfill that charge. The offspring is who? You and I. Us. The human race. The Adamic race. We were to subdue that. And mankind has by and large attempted and tried to do that. Okay, because of the, 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 the sin factor that was introduced, there's no harmony among the people. There's fighting and there's wars. And there's, we see there's something wrong. Something's messed up. You know, when man gets into nature today, we see, you know, tsunamis and earthquakes. And everything is upside down. It's not like God wanted it to be and made it to be originally. Something has happened. Something took place 6,000 years ago to create the situation we're in now. But God gave that directive knowing, knowing full well man was sin. Knowing full well we would need a redeemer. Knowing full well things would have to happen. But what was introduced in that garden was the concept of sin into a perfect, harmonious environment and creation. Sin made its way into it and seemingly disrupted God's plan. But, but did it? But did it? No. 
No, you cannot thwart the Almighty God. He cannot be bamboozled, if you would. He knew what would come. He had it all figured out way before. He, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He knew the end from the beginning. Christ is called the Lamb of God who was slain from when? Before the foundation. When did Christ die on the cross? No, not really. That was a physical manifestation of reality, yes, but He died before he, the earth was even created. Isn't that what it says? He died from before the foundation of the world. He was slain. In the mind of God, it was a done deal. But he didn't even make man yet. How could, how could that? How could Christ? God knew and knows the end from the beginning. We're not in that same class. We don't. We, oh, we're made in His image and likeness. Remember, we're not God. Thank, thank God, Lord. I thank you that I'm not you. I don't want to be you. Have you ever saw that movie, Bruce Almighty? Yeah. Okay, he wanted to be God, didn't he? He got his wish, didn't he? What happened when everybody started praying all at one time? I don't want to be God. I don't think I can handle this. You know, we're not cut out for that. But we were cut out to, to be made in His image and to rule over the earth, to, to take charge. To, to... We're not made to be servants and slaves. We're made of royalty. Somebody say Amen. But what derailed that? We're going to look at my second point. That is called human failure. Human failure. We look at uh, Genesis 3. All we got to do is move over from this wonderful chapter 1 and 2 of creation and we go to chapter 3 and, and there it is. Big and bold. Amen. It says in verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty or subtle than any beast of the field or wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig trees together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And we've all heard this story. We've sat in Sunday school class, even as children. We've, we've heard the, the tale told over and over again. And uh, I've even talked to other preachers, and they had different views and things on this. And, and I think it's just so simple and so straightforward that we often forget Really what God has said. God made the story to be this way. But it's not often as we're told it is. I'm, I'm, let's just look at it from a, maybe a little different perspective, okay? In, in verse 1 he says, The serpent, right there, we're introduced to a character called the serpent. Now how do we interpret the Bible? Well, we use the Bible to interpret the Bible. Okay, Anything outside of that, we're in dangerous ground. Although... Okay, we go to Revelation 12, and you can write that down if you take notes. You don't have to take my word for it, but I'm not going to turn there. In Revelation 12, the serpent is identified. Notice he makes an appearance in the first book of the Bible, and then in the last book of the Bible, he's mentioned and identified 
He's called the serpent of old, Satan, the devil. Okay, so this serpent is what we call the devil. Who we call the devil. He is a person. The word in the Hebrew, and this is where I don't want to lose you, because in our minds we think snake, right? Okay, snake. Oh, that's a snake. That's, and we're repulsed by the word serpent, right? It's almost like it's, it's, it's ingrained in us. Okay, now I want you... There's no snake involved here, okay? It's not a snake. If you go to the Hebrew word, the word for serpent in English is nakash in Hebrew. This is a shining being, the nakash. Uh, the serpentine being is, is, is can, can you imagine someone maybe almost shining with, with mirror-like beauty, covered in scales, human-like in appearance, okay, that is just so beautiful to look upon that it's dazzling to your eye. Now, notice this Nakash was there in the garden. Where were they? In Eden. And, of course, according to the way we teach it, you know, it would be a little strange if a snake come down and started talking to a woman. You know, what's up, girl? How you doing there? You know? I don't know any woman that's going to sit and talk to that. Hello? I'm gone. And wouldn't you think it's strange if a, if a snake was talking to you? That'd be a little odd. That's not what... How do we get... Now, we also get the story that, that Eve bit the apple, right? How many heard that? There's no apple in there. But yet we... How can we get to a place where we believe something like it's almost fact and it's not even there? That's called deception, right? I mean, I mean, you really got to be deceived. Why did God flood the earth? Well, there were so many bad people. Is that really what? Why don't you read the story? You'll find out. People don't want to know. It's like, no, I don't want to hear that. That sounds too crazy to me. Then we get into the serpent. This was Satan. Is Satan? Now, what do we have in our culture? He's done a job, is what I'm trying to get you to see, by getting people off the book. Okay. Red horn dude, right? A couple horn, pitchfork in his hand. Ugly. Somebody been watching some of them uh, heavy metal concerts on, you know, with the. Go see uh, what Lady Gaga throwing down, all the gang style, all the Illuminati stuff tonight. Come on. All the old cult and all that stuff. It's all very real. But Satan is, that's a parody of the reality of what he is. He, it is ugly, but not on the surface. It's good on the surface. It looks good. It's, 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 he offers the tree of knowledge. He, he's coming with some secret knowledge to, to reveal. He's got uh, dazzling to your eyes. And we'll see as we go along. He, this, this serpent was so crafty. Now obviously he had access to the garden. Why? He was a part of God's divine counsel. He had a right to be there. He was one of the, we, we would use in our term, it is a bad term, okay? We say, oh, he was one of the angels. That's what we say. It's not in the Bible that way. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that thought. He was of an angelic race, okay? A class of being. 
He's called the anointed cherub who covered in Ezekiel's book. He was once in heaven and he profaned himself and was cast out. He appears to the humans and begins to contradict to not the man who was the head, but to the woman what God has said. He begins to question God. He begins to throw into them doubt. Did God really say? Now notice he's attacking the woman. The woman didn't know what God had said, but by what her husband told her God had said, because she wasn't there. God told the man. And the man, it was his responsibility to relay it to the woman. Notice Adam, God said, you should not, you should eat of any tree. You can have any tree to eat from but this one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I maintain the aid of the tree of life to, to maintain immortality. That was offered there. That was barred to them once they sinned. But before they sinned, they could eat all the trees but the one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's sin. God wasn't trying to hide something. He was trying to keep them from sorrow and suffering from experiencing rebellion and sin. He said, don't eat that one. It wasn't a, a prohibition. We, we tend to think, well, don't do that. No, no, let me, let me say, you can, eat, he, he, here's there. you can eat anything you want. Is that prohibition? That's not prohibition. Eat of any of these trees. That's saying, go ahead, do it. You can have it all. But just stay away from this one. This one. Don't touch that one. Because when you do, you're going to die. Don't touch that one. And the devil comes up and says, What kind of God is that? He's keeping you from that tree. He didn't say, Oh, look at all the ones you can't eat from. He goes to the one you can't. You can't have that. Why is he hiding that from you? We fall, we all fall for that all the time, don't we? Just if you have little children, you see that? Just that's in, ingrained in them. Hello? Well, look what he says. He says, the woman saw the food. Now here, Paul in the New Testament says what sin really is in describing it. He says it's the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All sin has its root in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And here we'll see it right here at the very beginning. Here's the first sin. She saw, that's the lust of the eye, right? The fruit of the tree was good. It was good for food and pleasing to the eye. Now, fellas, every time you get out there and you see something walking down the street with a pair of high heel shoes on and it looks good to your eye, that don't mean it's good. Come on now. Especially if you got one at home. You got to keep the one at home happy. Hello? Amen. But the devil tries to make everything look good. Sin looks good, right? Lust of the eye. And also it was desire for gaining wisdom. That's the lust of the flesh. Uh, I'm sorry, that's the pride of life. It was good for food. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eye. Looked good to the eye. Pleasing. And right there you have all three. She took some of it, ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it also. Now the man could have stopped the whole thing. And he bore the judgment and that's why all humans today are 
born with a sin nature because he was the he was in charge. You know what Adam's sin was? He loved his wife so much. He didn't want to do it without her. He said, I'm gonna go into sin with you. I don't want to be without you. He loved his wife more than he loved God. She must have been something special. Hello. Come on now. He could have said, Woman, and God said, Don't do this, and, and why are you doing it? Don't, you know, and, and that would have been it. But he went headlong right in there with her. They both fell into sin. It wasn't falling, it was choice, amen. And here it goes on to say they realized they were naked. What does that mean? I mean, what does that really that's kind of again, we, we get lost in the story as it, like it's a child's story or something. But God's presence was so with them and His glory covered them that they didn't have any need for clothing or anything else. They were in a state of purity. Somebody said, does that mean they wasn't having any... No, they were having relations. They were made to do that. But it was uh, there was no need for a covering because God's very presence in the man and woman that he created was there with they just covered them. They were they were glorious beings. But once God's presence was removed, how I many know when you sin, God withdraws? Then they saw themselves in a different light and they felt shame. They felt I gotta cover you know, how many of you would just run out run outside and get ready to go to work naked? No man, I get out this shower, dry off, I'll put the clothes on like quick, you know. I got one of them big mirrors, you know, I was like, oh no. Don't look. I ain't looking at the mirror. Thank God for clothes. It covers a lot of shame. Hello. Of course, when you're really young, you like, look at me. He's looking good. Get about 20, 30 years on. It's like, oh, this is kind of, got to hold this up. It's drooping. And it's like, I don't want to see. Don't want to see. Cover it up. Thank you. We see the effects of sin. It, 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 it took them away from God. They covered themselves, but it wasn't good enough to cover. When God came looking for them, as His custom was to walk with them and commune with them, they then began to hide in the bushes. They hid from God. They heard the sound of Him coming. See, when they sinned, something happened to them. They... God said, when you eat of this, you will surely die. They died spiritually. They died. They couldn't see Him any longer. You catch that in the text? You see that? Can you see God? Naomi, when was the last time you saw God? You can't. No man, He told Moses, no man can look upon me and what? Live. Something happened. To, to the human race. That, that something really took place that, that, that brought man down. Man is tripartite, spirit, soul, body. Those three parts of you, Pastor Steve on the video this morning was talking about you know, God redeeming all three of those aspects. I mean, we're not just going to die and float around in heaven and live in a spiritual place. We're going we're to have a new body. Amen. We're going to live back on the earth. This is where heaven really will be for us. Come on now. With Christ. God's going to restore everything back to its original state. That's heaven. And we see a beginning. We see the proclamation of that. We'll look at it as we close. 
of God declaring to the human, our ancestors who were the progenitors of the human race, Adam and Eve, he's, he's declaring, I'm going to bring man back. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to do what you could not do. I'm going to overcome this sin obstacle once and for all. And they hid from God when they had sinned. You know, when you sin, where's the last place you want to go? When you sin. You want to hang out at church when you... Heck no, I don't want to go around those folks. Why? Why? Deep down inside, you know what? I don't want to get away from God. I don't want Him to see me. I, I, I just, you know, man, I done messed up now. I can't go, you know. Sin breaks our fellowship with God. But notice who, who searched God out? Adam and Eve? Did they go, oh, we sinned. Let's go find God. He'll help us out here. Well, no, no. What did they do? They went and ran from Him. Who came looking for them? God did. Let me ask you this. Who comes looking for you? God's searching you out. He said, look, I made and created you. I knew you. Do you know before you even showed up here on this earth, He knew you. Because He has the ability to do that. We, we don't. He does. You and I were all just little cells. You know, your one body has billions of cells that make up you. And every cell is in its exactly the right spot, in exactly the right place. If it wasn't, you'd just be dust on the ground. But can imagine what kind of God do we serve that can take those particles, that dust, and make you out of it. And then make, He made two, and they had another one, and they had another one, and they kept, and until we have all the, we all came from the same source, God. Like Pastor Steve said, when, when the trumpet's at the church, we'll be resurrected. And he knows, he has in his mind the exact blueprint for making you. Do I think he has to find your exact molecule? No, 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 no. A, a, a hydrogen molecule is a hydrogen molecule. A, 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 a pro, you know, he, 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 he has your blueprint, your DNA. And when, 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 in a moment, people have a new body just like that. But the spirit that's in you will never die. It's immortal. You were born immortal. You just transferred residence when you came to faith in Christ. He sought you out. As the scripture says, it's not that we loved him, but he first loved us. Hallelujah. Came looking for us. We see the human failure. We see the serpent introduced to human beings. And the question of whether I'm going to follow God or follow sin was introduced. We see temptation. And then ultimately the effects of succumbing to temptation was they fell. These are tragedies. This is a tragic story. And if that's all we had, we, we, would, we would live with the knowledge that our our human family has no hope. We, we have been, we died. When Adam and Eve died, we died. And the scripture in Paul's writings in Romans basically says that because we were in Adam, we all died. Somebody said, that ain't fair. Adam, Adam sinned, not me. I guarantee every one of us in here would have done the same thing he did. 
We would have. I know I would have. But we were in Him, that is, in His loins. And the human race died when He died. But thank God there was a, there was a, a Savior to come named Christ. He's called the second Adam. And when we place our faith in Him, we can be made alive. So in one man's disobedience, we all died, but yet in one man's obedience, we can all be made alive. Is God fair? Oh, he's more than fair. He's more than fair. Thirdly and lastly, He provides hope. And that's really what we're looking at here today, is hope for humanity. And we see Him providing hope to those who had fallen. That's our, our spiritual and physical parents, Adam and Eve. Look at verse 14. And here God addresses the principles involved here. You know, who, who do we see in charge? You know, we like to blow up the enemy really big because he got them to sin. And we see what he's doing a pretty good job on the human race today, right? But he's no match for God. God sets the terms, the conditions. He's the one in control. Never has been out of control, ever. Not even for a moment. God isn't sitting up in heaven, you know, can't sweating bullets, you know. Oh, things are getting out of hand down here. I don't, I don't, I don't think I know what I'm going to do. Uh, you know, Holy Ghost and Jesus, what are we going to do? Uh, I can wring my hands over this. You know, the devil's just, he, he's got the best of us here. No, that's not God. That might be man. <laughs> that's not God. God's, he's sitting back. He, he created in six days everything that you see. And on the seventh day, he just kicked back and he's resting. You know, we're, he's still in Sabbath. Now, God gave a Sabbath to man to keep for his benefit so he wouldn't burn out. But God's still on his Sabbath. How can God be in a Sabbath when sin has been for 6,000 years running amok in the human race? Because he's already seen the end. He already set in motion the plan to put an end and destroy sin. And he already see He's just resting now. That's called I'm in control. I'm in total control. And God takes a little Sabbath time off to, to, to confront those who have sinned. Look what he says here. The Lord said to the serpent, the Nakash, because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. So the, the Nakash had fallen so far from his domain in heaven. So now he's going to eat of the dust of the earth and crawl on his belly. What an ignoble place to be for such a noble being. For such a once glorious being who, if we think about it for a minute, when God made man, he said it was very good. When he made all the animals and the trees, and the, he said it was good. But when he made man, he said it was very good. When he created the Nakash, the serpent, what did he say? He said, you were perfect in all your ways until iniquity was found in I don't know anybody's perfect. But perfection became marred. Here was a perfect being that had become marred. 
And then he got into God's very good and he was able to introduce sin to that. But there is hope. Let's, let's see what he says. Let's go on. He curses the serpent and he says, I'm going to put enmity or animosity between you and the woman. Wow. You think what's going on overseas in this, quote, Islamic world? That's very large, I might add. The President of the United States banned seven Muslim countries, but 87% of the Muslim world is still able to come here. Think about that. It's not a Muslim ban. It's a ban on people from these banned countries, okay, who happen to be Muslim, by and large. But you think for a moment... Animosity. If you're a woman and you're living in one of these countries where their God is Allah, do they love you? Do they respect you? Do they treat you well? Do they honor you? Animosity. Who's their God? Remember, see, he's telling he's telling right here, they put, I'm gonna put animosity, hatred. Between you and the woman. Between the servant, Satan, and the woman. The God Allah is not the God of the Bible. He's Satan. Now I can prove that scripturally, but I'm not going to go into all that. He is Satan. The crescent moon and all as a symbol of Satan. His servant, the Antichrist, will behead people in the tribulation. There I would say we see a taste of that now in the Middle East. Our new president said, I'm going to stop the persecution. That's my priority of Christians in the Middle East. We'll import Christians who are under duress before we will these Muslims. Of course, outrage the liberal left. But think about how insane they are. What do you think about this woman? They're marching in wars for women's rights. Okay. I want a right to kill this baby. I don't want to pay for it. That's what they're saying. But they're marching for women, equality for women. And they're chanting Allah Akbar. Wearing these little turbans they put on their head as they got hot pants on, their legs all hanging out. And if they got Allah Akbar in, he would kill every one of them. You think they're going to go over there and do that? These women have lost their minds. Lost their minds. You want freedom, ladies? You know, find Jesus Christ. He'll set you free. He'll elevate you. He'll give you equality. Come on now. Notice he told Adam and Eve that they were together to subdue the earth and rule over it. He didn't tell one that, and then you just do whatever he tells you. No, no, that they together would rule. But here he's putting animosity. And I, I just thought I'd throw that information out because if you want to test things or, and look at things from a scriptural light, look at how you're treated by Satan. Do the people, do the women in Israel get treated that way by their? No. Any women in Israel they fly F-16 fighter fighter planes over there just like the men do. They got equality, all right. You go to Saudi Arabia, you can't you can't even have a driver's license if you're a woman. That could be good. 
<laughs> Moving on, brother, we're going to create a firestorm with that one. I saw his wife look over, she ready to knuckle him upside the head. He said he limped in on one leg, he's going to limp out on both. Come on now. <laughs> well, you know, we're talking about animals. He says, I'm going to put enmity between your offspring and her offspring. Uh, King James used the word seed, your seed, her seed, which is really a very appropriate translation. He's talking about the seed of the woman who would be Christ, as in singular. Christ would be at odds with Satan, the serpent. The serpent would try to destroy the Christ. You remember before he was even born. See, we see this story play out. God set it in motion. This is 6,000 years ago right here, okay? 6,000. He prophesied. Here the Bible is three-fourths written as predictive prophecy. Three-fourths. And many of these prophecies that were given over that six thousand have been fulfilled. Somebody says, where, where are we at today? We're still in process of fulfilling prophecies. Uh, we know that we know that we're in what's called the time of the end, and that took place in 1948 when Israel was gathered as a fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy. In the latter days, I will bring you back from the nations into your land once again. They went 1,900 years without a homeland. Now they're back in the land. The next prophecy says that the nations will try to drive you out of the land. Well, we're not quite there yet, but we can see the hatred in the world for Israel today. Today, More than ever. When will it happen? I don't know. I mean, we can't predict dates and times, but we know the season is very near. You know, what's, what's rolling up. What is the church's mission? We're to love all people, even the Islamic people. We don't hate them. Our president's doing the right thing, okay, by saying we need to vet and verify who's coming in. That's, that's just common sense, people. Don't just open the door and let everybody in and, and put everyone else in danger. He's doing what a president should do right there, number one. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, the church, we have a different directive. We're just to minister to everyone, even if it endangers our life. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're to just take the gospel to every creature all over the world. The good news, Christ has come to redeem. We're to love all people. I don't hate Islamic people. They're just lost. Amen. They don't know the Lord. But they can come to know the Lord if we share the Lord with them. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But we, we have to understand that uh, like a man is charged to take care of his wife and children and protect them, uh, a president or a leader, a king, whatever potentate is there in charge, is charged by God to protect the citizens. And he, he's doing his job. Amen. And uh, But there is animosity there. There is a, a world that is hostile. It, it's not under the dominion of the Lord. Uh, it's under the dominion of the enemy at present. And, but we have the promise that He's going to change that. Amen. In the future. So we're, we're a part of God's kingdom through the new birth. We're a part of His eternal kingdom. And, and we, we're looking today at His plan and, and in the hope that He gives humanity. That there is hope. And, and the hope is going to come from this seed of the woman that we're looking at here in Genesis chapter 3. He said that seed would... Uh, 
crush the head of the serpent, the nakash, and you'll strike at his heel. That really the only thing that the enemy can do to the seed of the woman, that would be you and I, the human race, and or the church, the seed of Christ, is he can strike at our heel. What's more deadly, a head wound or a heel wound? Head wound. Okay. You, you, you're not going. He's not going to kill you. He can't. He can't destroy you. He make uh, what would Paul the, the enemy can take the body, but not not the spirit and the soul. Only God can do that. We're not to fear Him. And uh, I thank God that He at the cross really crushed the serpent's head. Crushed his head. The only thing he can do now is strike out our heel. And uh, ultimately he will fail and it will end badly for him. Somebody say amen. 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 Verse 20, Adam named his wife Eve, which means the mother of all. Hallelujah. Eve. She was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed, clothed them. I'm going to end on that scripture. That's an awesome picture of what God's did. Notice they, by sin, became unclothed and became naked, became bare before God. God, I want you to notice this. Here they're in a garden. Here they are in a paradise. And he now God Himself takes animals. I believe they were probably sheep. Jesus is called the what? By John. The Lamb of God. He takes animals, this God, who has a perfect environment. Now He slaughters two sheep. That's bloody. That's death. Two innocent created beings had to die to make those clothing for those, those two who were alive. What is that a picture of? You see what God was foreshadowing. The innocent must die. Sin must be paid for. Death is the price. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is through the Lamb Christ. Here, He slain these animals and covered. He covered them. And He charged them that He sent them out. Now, to try to subdue the world and the earth without God, without His help, it would be brutal. Really, it's impossible. We found that out. We know that now. Who's going to subdue the world? Many in the church world, the dominionists think they're going to do it, and then Christ will come back. But the, the Bible tells clearly it's Christ who will come and put all authority under His feet. He is the one that will come back and take the reins of power from the kings of the earth. And we'll come back with Him. Hallelujah. We're a unique people. God's creation, Adam, in His image and likeness. I want to say something that may, may astound you, but I want you to consider this as we close. Adam and Eve walked with God and could see God face to face until they sinned. Daily they walked with the, their Creator, fellowshiped and communed with Him. But you and I have something they, they, they did not have today. You and I have something. Their fall didn't bring about total destruction. 
Because Christ would come, the promised seed of the woman would come 2,000 years ago He showed up. took 4,000 years for Him to get here. From the moment He made the declaration, He came. And that His substitutionary death on the cross and faith in Him brings to us a new birth. Spiritually. When Adam and Eve died, they died spiritually. They physically went on to live, and then ultimately they died. But it's only Christ that can bring the new birth. And the new birth, this, is what I, this will blow your mind. If you let it get it, Lord, Lord help them to get it. Let it sink in on them. Good. When we put our faith in Him, the Holy Spirit regenerates our spirit that is dead to God. It's dead to God. Regenerates. So that Paul would say very clearly that he who is in Christ is a what? Somebody shout it out now. A new what? A new creation, or some say new creature. New. Old things pass away, all things become new. And we know that because of the cross, because of Jesus, that we have a, a regenerated spirit. And we know that God's plan on Pentecost, He sent the Holy Spirit upon those believers, filled them. Then Acts 2, Acts 19 years later, He was still filling them. 20 years, He's still filling them. Today, He's still filling people. He's still regenerating men, amen, when they place their faith in Christ. We have a picture of the temple in Jerusalem, the, the inner sanctum where God would meet with the people. The outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies. It corresponds to the three parts of man. You know, our body, we see natural light. That's the outer court. Uh, we can't see God in the outer court. Neither could the Israelites. But you go in, the priests ministered inside the inner court. That's where we, by faith, serve God. Still no light in there. Light on the outside, natural sunlight. No light, the candlelight inside. And then the Holy of Holies, there's no light at all because God's presence is in there. God Himself is in there. And the priest, the high priest, would go in once a year to offer sacrifice for the nation. You and I being born again, unlike Adam, we're of the Adamic race, but we're a new race, a new creation, a, a holy people, a royal priesthood, I maintain God covered Adam with His glory. Therefore, he didn't know he was naked. But can't God lives inside of your spirit. There's no race like the new race of man that God created. The regenerated man. The church is an entirely new creation. It's an entirely new species. What man, what crib has God in him? You're not just a singular being. You are, you are a man with God inside of you. Do you realize that? Wherever you go, God goes. You're in perfect union with Him. Oh, I know we're still living in it. We have a corrupt sin nature. Our minds are darkened. And our bodies are corrupt. But... When we go, we're going we're to drop that corrupt nature that, and that physical corruption. It's going to go into 
a new creation altogether. We just have a, the earnest of the Spirit. We have a down payment. We've been redeemed, yes. Paul said, it does not yet appear what we shall be. We're seeing through a glass darkly, Kent. But we're going to see face to face. And when we're changed at that trumpet, we're going to see what we cannot see now. We're going to step into the reality of what this is all foreshadowing. Do you see that? Do you see on this timeline? That's what I want us to see. Where we're headed and where we're at. We're getting close to that time when God's going to fulfill His promise to the human race. And ultimately, we will take dominion over the earth. We will subdue it. And we will rule over it with Christ in us. Amen. Oh, that's, that's just good stuff there. Come on now. You know, in the midst of despair, no matter what you or I are going through, and I mean that we're all going through things, we cannot escape that. There's no escapism there. If we could, I would. I'd, I'd hit the eject button right now. See you. I'd go right into glory. Come on. Can't do it. Got to deal with it. Somebody say amen or oh me, one or the other. There is hope. Come on now. It's not found through human effort. No matter how many programs are established to offer relief to the needy, no matter how many advances are made in medicine, no matter how many improvements in life are brought about through technology, the only true hope for humanity is found in God, the one who created us. Come on now. The hope of mankind is first mentioned in God's promise to future salvation to sinful Adam and Eve. He gave them hope. Amen. They could not begin to imagine all that was involved in that promise. Neither do we. We have glimpses of it throughout God's Word. His kingdom is coming. It's here now. He's building it and growing it even now as we speak. You and I are privileged to be a part of that. We can read of the Bible's prophetic narratives of Christ's eternal victory and how it will be reenacted and enacted throughout the universe. God is going to redeem all things and subdue all things to Himself through Christ and through His church. Can I get an amen? And when we allow Christ to fulfill, to fill our lives with His presence, we're able to face any of the trials that we experience in this fallen world through His strength. That's why He's in us. Not, not, not the only reason, but that's one good reason why He's in us. Because life without Him would be unbearable to endure the things that we unbear. Why do you think people just break out in all kind of craziness that they do? They don't have God. People are roaming around in darkness looking for answers until they, they're now making fools of themselves publicly. And they don't know better. It's like a little baby, a little child just soils themselves. You know, and you look at, do you, do you like that? you like sitting in all that excrement and everything? Why don't you just go sit on the toilet and clean yourself up? Or what? No, I just sit here and saw myself. Well, baby can't help it, right? People sometimes can't help it. That's just where they're at. We know what the answer to that is. We can look beyond this life to the hope that we have and the reward that we have waiting is something that we, we, we just can't comprehend, people. Come on now. 1 Corinthians 2.9 Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared 
for those that love you. Let's stay in this moment. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.